Did you know you can support your local independent bookstore and me in my efforts to promote books that feature women in aviation by shopping for your next aviatrix read on the Literary Aviatrix website? I built the website to serve as a central source to search and find books featuring women in aviation, and it was important to me to offer you the opportunity to buy from independent sellers. If the book you're interested in is available on bookshop.org, you'll find a link to purchase through my affiliate account on my website, which means I'll receive a small portion of the sale to support the content you love. Blue skies and happy reading. This is Liz Booker with a Literary Aviatrix Waypoint along our journey through stories featuring women in aviation. This one is from Season 2, Episode 1, in my interview with Meryl Tangsdahl about her book, Shatter the Sky. In it, she's sharing with us the physiological effects of flying the U-2 at very high altitudes. You talked about the sort of physiological pressures that it put on your body and some of the long-term damage that you may be experiencing because of it um, and that other pilots have experienced. But then when right. we were on a call, yeah, you were talking about, well, you talk about it. Right. So, I mean, at the time I was flying the U-2, the cabin pressure was set at about um, 29,000 feet approximately. So for all those who don't, let me paint a better picture. It's like being in, at the top of Mount Everest and you're breathing hundred percent oxygen, but your body's feeling that physiological effect. So you are exposed to quite a few things. You can get uh, DCS decompression sickness. So in the form of the bends or the chokes for, you know, divers understand that, or you could get neurological damage because you have these bubbles moving around in your body. And for some reason, depending on the day, if you have enough, you know, hydration, if you're tired, all these factors, all these little things factor into it. Right. So for us, for you two pilots, what you have to do before you fly a high flight, you have to breathe 100% oxygen before takeoff, one hour before takeoff. And the reason why you do that is because your tissues love 100% oxygen. So what it will do is replace any nitrogen that's in your body with that 100% oxygen. So basically you're like off gassing, like, you know, when you get a new yeah. piece of furniture and it smells like plastic and it off gases after a while and it smells like your house. And um, so that's what we would do, but still it helps minimize that. But I guess during the time that I was flying, a lot of us had experienced more severe symptoms of DCS. And uh, again, some of my friends got it very badly. Um, we, you know, during that time, we almost had a class A mishap, which means uh, for those who don't know, class A is, I think the the rules were, the cut line was over a million dollars worth of damage that might've changed since then and permanent brain damage or loss of life. Right. So um, we had a gentleman who, and it's documented that experienced DCS, you know, through the flight, but he cleared the symptoms and there was some, there was some uh, uh, ambiguity of, do you continue a mission? If you have some DCS, like he felt joint pain, he felt better. He inflated the suit, but then he continued on. And then it started to uh, 
progress in a dangerous way. So he had neurological damage and um, he almost crashed the aircraft, but he luckily landed. Um, it's a great story. Uh, you know, uh, if those out there, it's intense. It's intense. Um, just hearing him tell it, his name is Kevin Henry, a great guy, great pilot. Um, but he, he suffered then he had to go through a lot of, I'll say therapy for lack of a better term right now to kind of get back to some sort of normal. And then he was probably the most severe, but we had another guy who had other issues. Um, other people were just having issues. So they did a study during the time I was there and they found that most of us had these uh, white spots or brain lesions. So, you know, I, I participated in the study cause I was curious, you know, who doesn't want to see what their brain looks like. So, yeah. Yeah. So I found out. So we don't know the long-term implications. Um, we just know that maybe something will happen. Something may not happen. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. So since then you talked about how the plane has been um, reconfigured, right? Right. It's been modified. They actually uh, changed the structure. So the cabin altitude now 15,000. So that happened. That happened right as I was leaving as the commander at uh, Palmdale. So uh, they were, we were in talks to get that done. And I think they started retrofitting the aircraft right shortly before I left. So that was in 2010. So when I got back into, when I got back in 2013, most of the aircraft were, the single seat aircraft were at 15,000 feet, which it made a difference. I mean, when you fly U2, so our missions were you'd fly once and then you would, the next day had to be a down day. So you were doing no activities. The following day was a ground duty only, and then you were eligible for a flight. So we flew once every three days um, because it, it makes you tired. Our, our rotations when we deployed were typically somewhere between 60, no more than 90 days, just because of how tired you get flying the line consistently. Yeah. So it, it takes a toll on you, but I do it all over again. <laughs> 